Welcome to the Power of Investing in People podcast. I am your host, Shay Sparks, Chief Excitement Officer of Sparks of Fire International, where we spark leaders in transition who are unclear, go from fear to fired up about their life and business. And if you wish to talk more in depth about coaching, heart and mind fitness, brainstorming for your business, podcasting, and or veteran resources, connect with me, Shay, today at the Calendly link in the show notes on your podcast platform. And today, our guest is the amazing Grant Hansen. Welcome to the show, Grant. Well, hello there. Thank you so much for having me. And I am so honored to have you on because we just met in a Facebook group just, I don't even think it was a month ago. I think it was just a couple of weeks ago, right? That's right. Yeah. Just, just like just the other day, honestly. <laughs> yeah. And I love when I have the opportunity to talk with people and really kind of do, um, you know, like a connection call before we even get you on the interview, because I knew immediately as soon as we started talking and you shared a little bit of your story, I was like, well, first of all, yes, I have to have you on the show. So I'm so excited for you to be here. But second of all, I was like, wait, did I just meet my new best friend? So thank you. <laughs> thank you for being here. Of course. No, I, pre- you know, out of all the podcasts that I, that I tried to line up as far as interviews, you're the only one who did that initial discovery call. So I, I really enjoyed that and appreciated it very much. Well, I'm surprised. I think more people, there's like so much n- connection and good nuggets in that connection call that it's so helpful. That's right. So for those of you who don't know, Grant Hansen is a person who first and foremost insists on enjoying life. The ways he enjoys it is most by being a father and pursuing whatever allows him to make a bigger impact. He is a multi-passionate entrepreneur and a person in long-term recovery working in the mental health space for about seven years with a useful story and key experience that qualifies him to be in that space. The idea that a person can begin anywhere in life and become anyone they want as long as they're willing to do what's required is the primary force behind his passion in what he does. So you can see why I'm excited to have him on. And you can find out more about him at his website, at recoveryclubamerica.com. And I'll have that in the show notes as well. Well, Grant, I, again, I'm just, I'm so excited to, to dive in and hear all about your story and the recovery process and recovery club of America, all the things. And so the first thing I want to start off with is what does investing in people mean to you? Yeah. You know, man, that's, um, I have to say I was mulling this around, you know, thinking about this, uh, because that is ultimately the only reason I even am where I am, you know, and I was talking about this with, 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 with my cousin yesterday, because I called him because he started a new business and I just called him to find out more about what he's doing as a business so I can help introduce him to people if I know anybody. And he was just kind of blown away by that. Mm-hmm. Just by, uh, I, you could tell he was kind of like, you're just calling me to ask me. And I'm like, see, but you don't understand. People did that for me. Mm-hmm. People made a point to, to help make those introductions for me and invested that, that time and not just that time, but that social currency. Mm-hmm. That their their credibility to make introductions for me with my my story, which we'll get into later, you know, but but, but my criminal history there, my my felonies and all that, right? So people were really sticking their neck out on the line, and that was the only way I was able to to get any of these opportunities was because people invested in that. So so investing in people, it's not just a matter of of of, of self sacrifice of of just kind of putting their needs ahead of yours. That's certainly one element of it right giving without expectation but but for me truly investing right with this idea of a return because that's what investing implies right that there's going to be some kind of a return what is the return so for me the return on that investment is 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 what I do now from here on out because a lot of people invest and I'm going to get emotional just thinking about it because because I remember somebody putting it like that to me like a lot of people invested a lot of time and energy in helping me. And, and for, and, and so what I do from here on out, how that manifests, right. How I take that potential and make it kinetic. That's, that's the return on that investment. And not just that, but who, not just for myself, but am I able to go and then invest that same into people who are coming after me? Right. 
and not just giving them things, but teaching them things and giving them tools that will allow them to make an impact far beyond just whatever I can do for them or what they can do for themselves. But even bigger than that, right? Thinking legacy. Mm-hmm. So that's that. That's the return. That's what investing implies to me, right? So investing in people implies that. Yeah. So there's a lot more I can say there, you know. But that's that's kind of in a nutshell what uh, what's on my mind right now. Thank you for sharing that. And I love kind of. I'm gonna kind of um, narrow down what you said or what I heard from it anyway was pay it forward. So you're really taking from what I believe because I went through something similar is I feel like for me, it's a, it's a, it's something even bigger than people, right? So God invested in me by healing me. And now it's become my duty, our responsibility to kind of pay it forward and help and give tools and skills and, and advice and, you know, coaching or whatever that looks like to people, information, because we were able to get pulled out of the muck and the mire. So because we were invested in whether it be God or other people, which I've had other people too, and it's now our duty to kind of pay it forward. Yeah. So I love that you said that. Of course. Well, part of that, you know, is I think about this in terms of parenting, especially with my daughter, Um, because I think about it not just when I'm investing in her in terms of teaching her and instilling in her and those beliefs and that kind of stuff, but but we know that kids, kids learn by example. They learn by what, what they see happening. You know, mm-hmm. And so part of that investing includes me still pursuing my own dreams and passions. And we do this to, to it, 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 we do, especially to young women, I think uh, it, the worst, because we raise them as, as kids and we all, we always, they have all this potential, right? And there's a whole lot I could go into there, like the, the Peter Pan analogy and, infinite potential, right? When you grow up, at some point you forsake all this potential to choose a path, one mm-hmm. path at the exclusion of the others. Normally mm-hmm. what we do is we have these people, we raise them with all this potential, but then we, we teach young women, especially that once they become parents, once you have children, right? And I get it because I'm a parent. We teach them, well, now your, your dreams and your stuff is on the back burner now. And it doesn't matter now. Now, first and foremost, you have to be a parent. And I'm like, well, my argument there is don't be the parent that teaches your kids. Don't do what I did. Do something better. Because eventually, eventually, one of these generations has to be the one to break that cycle. Yes. This never ending. Oh, you guys do better than I did. Well, then once they have kids, it's like, oh, well, now I have to sacrifice in hopes of that they, you know, and so on and so on. I think about this a lot. Right. So that's a huge piece of the investing pieces. I have to show her by example in what I'm doing on a daily basis. You know what I mean? I, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's kind of what we are, right? We become the example because we're the example of what not to do. And now we've become the example of what to do. So take us back to when you were going through the stuff that you were going through that ended you in, um, you know, to have felonies and things like that. What was going on? What were you, what were you dealing with? You know, (laughs) it's interesting when people ask me questions like that, because you try to think about it in in terms of the way your mind worked back then and what I was, you know, but I view everything now, obviously through my awareness that I have now. Right. And so I, I, it's always I'm trying to place myself in that same frame of mind. It's, it's, I wish I could do that. You know, I wish I could to just to understand that what was going on in Grant's mind back then, because now I think about that and I'm like, God, it's just it's pure insanity. You know, it feels like a whole other person. Um, but, but I think to be um, kind of concise about it, it, it it's, you know, there's a few things, right? There was, there was some, some, some notion that I was immune to certain consequences. I just kind of had this idea that I was just going to have this fun and then one day I would get my life straightened, but it wasn't going to be today. Uh, and you know, I just, I had that false sense of like, well, the, the worst wouldn't happen to me, you know, because mm-hmm. I was still young and I was still, and I'm, I'm only 30 now, but going through that as a, as a 17, 18, 19 year old kid, basically, I, I don't know that I fully appreciated this, the gravity of mm-hmm. what was actually going on and how it would affect me later. 
at the time I didn't understand how serious it really was. I, I don't think. Mm-hmm. And, and so when I finally, I got to this place where, you know, I see a lot of people uh, who, who we, who we work with who are, who we would consider functioning addicts and alcoholics, right? They, they're dealing with this addiction, but they're still somehow able to maintain a job and, and mm-hmm. own things and even have relationships and that kind of stuff. And, and I say, fortunately, that was not my, the case for me, right? It, it, be, it got, you just get to a certain point where you just, right. Those people we see actually die a lot because, because they're insulated by that, that false sense of like, I have things. So things aren't that bad. Mm-hmm. You know, but but for me, it became at, at a certain point, you just can't look at that situation anymore and be like, I wonder if there's a problem. <laughs> you know, it's, it's very obvious. And I don't know what I was running from or running towards. It's really hard to articulate that honestly, or, you know, people come up with all kinds of reasons why people start or stop. And there's the, 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 the trauma argument and, and everything goes back to trauma and, and all that. But, but really, I think ultimately I was just trying because I don't, I felt like I didn't feel normal. My baseline didn't feel what I thought was normal. And so I was started to get into substances, trying to figure out how to get to a place where I could go out into the world and interact with people without that, this, that, that level of anxiety or not, you know, not fitting in, not belonging, right? There's, there's many different reasons, but at the end of the day, I didn't need a reason, you know? There were plenty of days where everything was just totally fine and the sun was shining and, and Grant's life was great. And I was still like, man, I really need to get high right now. Mm. You know what I mean? But it's so, so it's easy to come up with all these reasons and these things. But the truth is, is you take all these, you know, triggers. We, we, we use that word a lot. But, but truthfully, my experience shows that you can take really any number of those things away from me and try to try to design this life where you shield me from temptation. That's just a temporary band-aid. That's not a real solution, you know. Um, a, a, a real, a real solution allows you to to live a, a life of freedom where you're not you're not having to do that because you're going inside. Not that you don't still need to develop those coping skills, but you're actually going inside to what's causing that those those things to happen in the first place. You know, a lot of times people don't want to go there. So they just think, well, if I just physically separate myself and then just go learn a bunch of coping skills in light, you know, then I can just somehow like dodge these bullets all the way through my life. I just, I don't want to live that way, you know, and ultimately in 2014, when I finally got, got sober for real, you know, I'd gone through all these external things, gone to prison, got caught these felonies and, uh, <clears throat> I think I had multiple moments where, I had these sort of kind of collapses of ego, right? That's, that's usually the phrase that I use the most often when somebody asks me, well, Grant, what is it that finally, like, that finally made you turn it all around? Like, it's usually families, right? Mothers, fathers, people are asking because they have loved ones. I'm like, Grant, you know, we just want answers, right? Grant, what was it, man? What was it? And, you know, it's just a total collapse of ego where you just have this moment where you realize, like, you know, I've done a lot of stuff that is completely against my own moral compass, like I, against my own will. It's, it seems like it sometimes where you just really crying, you're doing some of the things that I had done, things that I stolen from people that I love to, to, to get, you know, all that kind of stuff. And you're just like, there's, there's moments where you compartmentalize it and you feel like a monster because you're just like, you're totally okay with it. And then there's, and then you have these moments where you just kind of, you finally like, you're like, wow, what have I just done? Like, what have I done? wow, I can't believe that I just let myself get to a place where I could do, do something like that, you know? And, uh, and so having that, that kind of collapse, I found out that when you don't act upon that moment pretty quickly, you, you tend, your ego tends to reconstruct itself pretty rapidly. And, uh, and you convince yourself that you overreacted and, um, things weren't really that bad. (laughs) You know, and so I finally just had that that final moment of of that, and it was either that, and I had never really historically had suicidal thoughts or intentions, but I kind of got to this place where it wasn't like, hey, I really just want to die, but it was sort of like, man, I just I don't see any other way. Like, I just don't see another alternative. Everything I've personally tried hasn't worked, <sighs> and I'm. Whew. 
And I remember, I remember talking to this guy one time. I was working on, I was working in a detox unit at a treatment center. And, uh, and this, this guy has done more time in prison than I am alive. And, uh, and just super institutionalized, tons, tons of trauma, just a broken human being. And um, he, he came up to me and um, he was like, he's asking me about this whole 12 step process and all this stuff, right? Because that's, and he just said whatever, what a lot of people think, right? It's not, they're not willing to do it. It's, it's more that like, the last thing they want to do is put all this time and effort and work into something that's going to end up not working. You know, like, and he just wanted me some to reassure him, like, is this going to, does this, does this stuff like Grant, don't lie to me, man. Like, does this stuff actually work? Cause it mm-hmm. seems okay, right? When you look at it from a yeah. medical point of view to tell somebody, Hey, you need to get spiritually connected for a lot of people are going to look at that and be like, really, that's the best you got, you know? And, and so he asked me, he said, because I'll tell you what, Grant, cause right now, he said, if you were to put that big book in front of me or a loaded pistol and you gave me an option, he said, I would take the pistol. He said, because you know what? At least that's a hundred percent guarantee. I know exactly what's going to happen if I choose that. And I just like, like I felt that like so, so much. And, um, and that's kind of just the place that I got to where you're just like, it's not that I want to live this way, but I haven't found a sufficient substitute. Yeah. I haven't found something that you can take these things away from me and replace it with. It's going to give me the same feeling of, of, you know, like relief. And that's what you have to have. You have to be able to replace that, you know, in 2014, that's, that's ultimately what happened. And a series of events led me to, to Kerrville, Texas and uh, in the hill country out there. And, I got really, really plugged back into the 12-step community out there. And, and that's where things really kind of took off for me from a recovery standpoint. And then everything else kind of blossomed after that, after I had my daughter, you know, and, and just went from there. Yeah. Mm. Well, thank you. Thank you for sharing your heartfelt story because it is oftentimes that we compare our rock bottoms to someone else's that it looks a certain way and not everybody's rock bottom looks different. Right. Um, my foot one, and some people might have multiple ones. I had multiple ones. My one, I was 16. I'd just gotten a DUI and woke up the next morning and was so completely and ultimately humiliated by getting a DUI. And just said out loud, okay, God, I have messed this up so much in these 16 years. I'm handing it over to you. You can do with it what you want because I'm done with it. And it wasn't like the movies and a miracle and a flash of light happened. And I stepped out and it was technicolor all of a sudden, right? And life, my life was totally different. And my parents loved each other. No, 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 no. That was not it at all. But um, the second time that the um, rock bottom hit is when I realized that I had been waiting to die. Mm. It wasn't that I was suicidal per se, but I wasn't living either. It was just that I'm just waiting to die. I'm just here taking up space until it's over. And to me, that's kind of what um, your experience with this, this other man and yourself that you're explaining, like, it's not that you were consistently thinking, oh, I'm going to kill myself, but it was like, this, this is it. So. Absolutely. No, you worded that perfectly. Yeah. And, and, and so thank you for sharing with that, because I think so many people don't get that. They get the, they understand that, oh, I'm, I'm, I want to, I want to kill myself. That's one mindset, but this whole waiting to die mindset is so unforgiving is what's coming up to me is what's showing up right now is because it's almost like you're beating yourself up constantly in the mess that you're in. And yet you don't even see it that there's a different choice or a new choice or a new or even a light that there could be something different. Right. Right. 
Yeah, that's um it's 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 like dying on an installment plan. Yeah, yeah. It's it's that's that's what I was trying to think. It was it's it's uh, you know, this is such an interesting conversation for me, really, because like so much of my own, um, I guess, suffering uh, outside of even just like substance abuse, just in general, um, has all a lot of it's been very existential in nature, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and and that is one major piece of it, the passing of time, right? The transience of, mm-hmm. of, of time and, and just how how transient everything really is. Uh, how temporary it all is and and how on one hand that is uh, extremely liberating right um in a sense but on the other hand it's it's equally as crushing uh, almost because it makes you feel really insignificant you know when you consider at least me right when i consider my own existence on the time span of the entire universe and what i consider to be these really major huge problems that i have right now and it, you know and I, I say that, but I mean, I, I'm, I'm not exaggerating when I say that that that's, that that sort of thinking right there, you know, that it, it's, it borders on nihilistic, on honestly, <laughs> at times. And 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 I've tried to shift it and use it as a motivator because it does keep me consciously aware of how fast time is passing. And it's like, hey, man, I don't have, to, I got things I need to do in this life. I've got things to accomplish, and and so it is constantly kind of that little fire that's like. Hey man, you don't get to, you don't get, this is not dress rehearsal. You know what I mean? You don't like, I don't understand that. People just sit around and think, I'll just do it tomorrow. Yeah. I'll do it tomorrow. Homie, <laughs> no, that you may not have it. You may not have tomorrow, you know? And so that's constantly playing. And so I just, I, and so I just can't even understand at this point, people who just live this sort of, they just exist. They're just mm. they're just trying. They're just surviving. And I and I get it. I get it. Right. Things and the, and the climate politically and all this stuff. Right. There's all this stuff going on. And so, right. I get it. But but it's like it's like, man, when you really, I think, get fully awake to, to that what we're talking about right here. You just I think something shifts inside you. You just can't like you can't even uh, like you won't, it won't like you won't allow yourself to sit in that just like. Like, no, no one's coming to save you. No one's coming to save you. Whatever it is you want in this life to happen, whatever you want your life to look like, like if you are not intentional about designing that, it will be designed for you. And that is in that, like, for me, that is exactly what waiting to die mm-hmm. looks like. You're just like, I mean, I don't know. I just don't get it. I don't get it, you know, but I guess not everybody's, um, not everybody's wired that way. And that's okay. That's okay. You know, I don't need, that's something I've had to let go of is trying to make everybody fit into that same box. Mm-hmm. Not everybody's going to be in that box and that's totally okay. We gotta, we gotta, we need, we need people who aren't in that box, you know? Yeah. 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 There's something really, um, like you said, lights a fire when you make that shift mentally from this whole survival mode into thriving. And I completely, when I, when I did my leap, I was like, wait, what? Like, no, I want to be excited about my life every day. And I got to the point where I was awake before my alarm would go off. And I like sitting straight up in bed, like, oh my God, I can't wait till I get to talk to this person today or, or do this or have this conversation or you know, help with this company or this business or whatever. And it was such a profound shift for me that um, when I was coming up with, you know, my title for my company of, you know, chief executive officer, I'm like, well, the last thing I am is officey. So I am not going to be chief executive anything, but I am excited. So I'm going to be the chief excitement officer because (laughs) that's really what I bring is excitement to your life and business. Right. And And so I took what I went through of just the waiting to die and really transformed it into being fired up. So I say from fear to fired up about life. I love it. I love it. But you got to find that, that, yes, that thing, you know, that I don't know if you ever went through this phase, you know, where you like, 
I don't know. It was just, it was, it was kind of was making this transformation of figuring out that I, that I did actually really want to do something purposeful with my life. And so I had all this like energy and motivation and et cetera, but like no direction, no direction, mm-hmm. no nuts and bolts, no, no how to manual, no, not even really knowing what I wanted to do professionally. I knew yeah. some things that I like could fall back on, you know, and, 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 and all that kind of stuff. But I don't know, I guess I went such a long time in my life and it's not like I have, an, I have an, a really great family. We have our dysfunction like any family. I have great role models within my family. I have some not so great role models in my family. <laughs> but it is, you know. Yep. But um, even though there was a lot of love and all that, I don't know that I ever really got the, like, you can be whatever you want to be, oh, you know. Yeah. Or like, you got to take the safe route, that kind of thing. And I get it, you know. But it wasn't until somebody else talk about investing in people, you know, somebody else, because here's, here's a key component though. Like I had to trust, and this has happened now multiple times in my life. Right. Especially I think 12 step recovery really set me up for this, but the, the sponsorship mm. in terms of, of, I have no, I am not shy at all about, about seeking out mentors, uh, in, in areas of my life that I, that I need to improve. And I owe that to that. You know, because that's the, the probably single, single greatest key ingredient right there is, find, is finding somebody who knows how to do what it is I want to do and asking them how, how they did it, you know. But, but a key piece of that is, especially from the recovery standpoint, is I had to trust that this man had been where I had been. Mm. And, and so when somebody else kind of further along on the entrepreneurial side of things really spoke that life into me and was a person finally somebody who I actually saw the fruits of their own success, knew their story and really respected and admired him. And not only that, I knew he loved and cared about me. And I knew that what he was telling me was, was real and he actually believed it. That's what was important. I didn't need him to make me believe it. I just needed to believe that he believed what he was saying. Mm, yes. He, he, and he spoke that life into me. And he really finally gave me that permission to actually pursue those unrealistic dreams and and goals that I, that I had. And and when when somebody like that finally kind of gives you that permission as if you needed it, (laughs) then it's like the floodgates open. I was like, man, okay, well, he said I can do it. And if if he says I can do it, then I must be able to do it, you know? And so I can't ever forget that now I'm at a place, I'm not where I want to be yet by any means, but I do not take for granted that I am certainly at a place in my life where there are definitely people who look up to me and that I know for sure I can definitely be that person. And you know what? That takes no effort. That takes like, like zero effort. It takes no skill to, 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 to be that person to just be like, Hey man, like I believe in you and I know you can do this, you know, like, or whatever that looks like, man. You have no idea <laughs> you, if you're that person for somebody that could be all they need. Yeah. That could be all they need. Just those words from the right person, i.e. you. And man, Grant says I can do it. And I'm not saying it's not like that, you know, but, but I do have people that reach out to me sometimes people from like my, my old life who see what I'm up to now. And they're like, wow, you know, and I love it. It's, it's, that's really like when you get an opportunity to help somebody from, from like that you that you grew up with or that you know, yeah. that's when it's like, yes, dude, like full circle for real, you know. I love this because what I'm what I call that is borrowed confidence. Mm. We borrow the people's confidence that they have for us, that yes. they see in us, because we may have had life you know, sp- spoken into us from others in our past, but for whatever reason, we didn't hear it. Yes. Yeah. Right. Like we didn't hear it. We were, yes. you know, intoxicated or under the influence or, you know, 16 or, you know, whatever. We knew everything anyway. We didn't hear right. it. And so at that point, there's always this moment where I believe it's a it's a God wink. He sends special people into your life and speaks life into you. And we borrow their confidence that they have in us and go, you know what? OK, let's do that. So I love that you took that fearless action and really stepped forward and, and, and tried it. So 
did you have a direction of what space you were going to go or did you still kind of try things on and what I call curious exploration and figuring it all out? Yeah, no, I definitely, um, I, I definitely did not. I thought I knew, I definitely thought I knew what I wanted to be. You know, a lot of times people in our, in our, in our world, uh, depending on where you get sober, I'm sure it's different everywhere. It's like, it's like church, right? You know, 12 mm-hmm. steps. It's the same thing everywhere you go, even though like the literature and stuff is the same, the way people do things is always slightly different everywhere you go, you know, so the beliefs and, and everything else. And so uh, I, I really had just aspired at that time. I was just so stoked to be an actual useful member of yes. like society that people want to be like the people I felt needed, mm-hmm. you know, like. Yes. Even to be able to take on volunteer positions and stuff. So it's it's really hard to say what I expected of myself yet at that point or what I thought I could do. Because at that time, what I thought were high goals are now goals that are like, you know, like I'm shooting way high. You know, mm-hmm. you don't know. You don't know what you're capable of and what that it looks like until you start to to grow along that and just get uncomfortable and start to, you know, yeah. pursue things and and so I, I, I tried not to go into the treatment space first because that felt very cliche. I, mm-hmm. I literally did it just on principle alone. I said, nope, too many people get sober and want to become a damn counselor. I'm not doing that. Yep. So I tried not to. I tried a few things, uh, had great work ethic, things I tried did not want to do. And I finally ended up going and, and jumping into the treatment space. And I, I started as a dishwasher. And at that point, I literally just aspired to be like an alumni director, teaching big book, doing all that. Like I would have been totally cool with that. Then I thought, OK, I'll become a counselor. I even started going to school. And then I thought, well, no, because I actually want to make money. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, sorry, not to knock therapists or anything, but, you know, you, people can become therapists because they love being therapists, not mm-hmm. to become rich. And um, and so then kind of got this opportunity to jump out onto the business development side of the industry, um, which, you know, I really love and miss direct care and just getting to work with the patients. But unfortunately, you know, $10 an hour uh, on the detox unit is what I'm going to cut it, you know? So I, I do miss that a lot. I miss that a lot, but um, getting to do that, and shifting into that business development lifestyle where now you don't have a nine to five, you don't have a clock in and clock out. You have to be self-motivated, set your mm-hmm. own schedule and find your own appointments and, and all that. So I got kind of a taste of what that would look like, what that sort of self-employed, not self-employed, but just self, you know, you, you create your own schedule. I got a taste of that. And I was like, Oh, wow. I'm never, never going back to <laughs> never going back. And so mm-hmm. During this time, I also had already, and previously I had already been introduced to like direct sales, multi-level marketing, that kind of stuff. And I, and I still, even to this day, some of my best business contacts I have to this day, I've met through network marketing. Um, and, uh, and so I kind of, that was sort of my, also during that same kind of time introduction into, you know, on the world of like entrepreneurship, working with the idea of like working for yourself, right? Mm-hmm. And, and so while I, I was, I, I made some money in network marketing, never like a, a ton of time, but, but enough to show me that one, it was possible. And two, so much of what I learned and retained in terms of training and personal growth and personal development, all was transferable still, you know? And so I took, I just, again, to try to take everything that you can, the knowledge and everything and so during that, now then now I'm like, okay, now I feel this entrepreneurial drive. Now the idea of working for somebody is becoming increasingly irritating. Um, seriously. And, and, and I'm getting to that. And I, th- this is, oh man, like 2018, 2019, I left the treatment center I had been with, went with a, a, a guy I had met, became a partner and uh, helped him start to grow his company that he had already found. It was his same type of thing, right? He was his company. I came on board and, then we began this relationship with the hospital system that I was most recently with. And, and through all that, right, just sort of figuring out not, not just what I want to do within the mental health space, because now I feel like I'm just really, really now easing into a spot in that space where I now have a skill set and a group of people, a team potentially 
where we can go out and now I feel like we have something super profitable that we can, that we can, and it's super helpful. It's going to help a lot of people, not just the platform, but the skill sets that we have developed building that platform that we can take on to the future, future projects. Right. And so, but outside of that, you know, I think it's important to touch on this just for if anybody else listens to this, who happens to be in, in, in recovery. I really challenged myself to break out of that space and to really jump into other industries that, that interested me because it was very intentional because I, I see this a lot while I am passionate about mental health and addiction and working with people. Let's be honest. What I do in that space, I, what I do is business development. That may be the space that I'm in, but the skill set is business development. So I said, okay, the challenge was I heard this more than once. People would say in that world, in the treatment center world, right? A lot of marketers you'll meet are in recovery. Mm. Most people that were in that space are in recovery, right? Obviously. Mm-hmm. And, and I heard somebody say, and rightly so, they're like, you know, the only qualification that most of you guys have for even having this job is that you're in recovery. That's it. Mm. You know, and the challenge was if you try to, go do real marketing or sales in a different industry, you would never be able to do it because it's not transferable. It, it, this is the only thing you'll ever be able to do in that, in that regard. And so I, I just took that as like this big personal challenge <laughs> because they were not wrong at that time. Mm-hmm. They were not wrong. But on top of that, there's a second part to that. And I see so many people in recovery, exactly what I talked about earlier about not trying to work in recovery. And they only go to work in that space because they're sober and in recovery. And it's like literally just out of default. It's not because they feel called to do it. Right. Or want to do it. They're just like, I don't know what else I can do. They've been living kind of a junky lifestyle. Right. And, and, and not, not everybody, but a lot of us, right. Did. And mm-hmm. so you don't really know what skill sets you have. And so you're like, well, I guess I'll just go start working in the treatment space. And I'm like, if you do that because it's what you love and you feel called to do it, Absolutely, man. Go for it. But if you're only going into that space by default because you don't know what other skill sets you have, that's not the same thing. And that's not authentic you know, and, and genuine. That's just, I mean, I get it to do that in the beginning is an easy, it's an easy job to land when you're getting sober. So that's, there's nothing wrong with that. But it's like, hey, man, I start to have that conversation early with people. What is it you want to do, man? I know the focus right now in your mind, the focus is on sobriety. I was like, but it's not, it's not really sobriety. Sobriety is just a byproduct, Mm. right? It's the byproduct. Like there's so much more because eventually the work you're doing is now no longer to run from the drink or the drug, but the work you're doing is so that you can become the person who can accomplish the things that you've set out to accomplish. Because you have, if you have these goals that I have, the pill I had to swallow was, I'm not the grant. I'm not the version of grant who can yet accomplish these goals. Grant's got to do some work to become that grant, you know? And that's what I mean when I say now, you know, I used to not understand that, but when I say it's not about that anymore, now that's what I mean. Now I'm being pulled by a vision of the future and that's the work I do versus being propelled from something that I'm running from, you know? So having that conversation early of like, what is it in this life that you want to do? I know you want to help people get sober and I know right now that's what it's all about service work and, and all that. And, and please just do that. I was like, but at the same time, you have a purpose outside of this too, you know, and you have to start figuring out what that is because at some point this over this super zealous hyper recovery lifestyle that you live, it only for surviving on that only works for so long because then eventually you start to get stagnant and people, you start to feel like, well, is this all there is just for the rest mm-hmm. of my life? I just go to a bunch of meetings and like, do all, you know, it's like eventually that's fulfilling for a time and you should still be doing those things. But it's like, no, at some point now we got to figure out your, your life on a broader scale. What is it that you want to do here on this planet before you leave? You know, so sorry, I went off on a little tangent there, but uh, no, I love, I'm loving this conversation uh, so far. So I, I really appreciate it. Well, and I love this conversation. Clearly, it's why yeah. I asked that question and I knew that it would take us to where we needed to go. And we just have a few more uh, questions to go, but I do want to, to just say at this time, speaking about investing in people, if you want to invest penalty and tax-free money from your 401k, 
Check out season five, episode five with our friend Daniel Blue over at Quest Education. They have a free course. You can find it in the show notes and they will help you be able to start your business. And speaking of, you know, being purposeful and useful and um, feeling like you're needed, sometimes it's starting a business to do those things. And just like Grant had said, you know, talk about feeling you needed to feel useful or needed to feel needed. I think there's something that um, I'll, I'll say this word as a, a generalization and it might not be true, but I'm going to use it anyway. Addicts and codependent people like to feel needed, right? Mm-hmm. And so sometimes we put that into a relationship and then that's even even more horrific. But when it's your career, when it's your passion, it becomes exactly what you said. It becomes your purpose. And maybe when you're out of addiction, your first reaction, knee gut reaction is, I'm going to go work in the addiction space. And I believe a hundred percent that you probably do. And then you get to a point where that's just becomes a stepping stone, not your final destination. Because you said you'd get tools, you get skills, you learn what you need to learn, and then you move on. Here you did the same thing. And now here you're into this business development space, which I love. So my question is, if you, uh, for our listeners, are people in transition, maybe they're, they're an employee and they're looking to start a business or they're in the military and they're coming out and going back into civilian life. What advice would you give them in order to find you know, start the business of their dream or find their purpose or create it? What would you, how would you go about that? What advice would you give them? Uh, Man, (laughs) that's, uh, you know, that's just the same thing as when people ask me, what advice would I give somebody who's trying to get sober? You know, it's, it's the, it's such a, uh, there's such a broad answer to me. I I guess what I, what I, what, 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 uh, what I see sometimes is people will try to give these really like one, oh, if you just do one, two, and three, <laughs> everything will be great kind of answer, you know, and I just feel super inauthentic to me. So I always want to make sure I answer that question in, in, in the most like genuine way I, I can, because, because I don't, I don't, I haven't done it perfectly. You know what I mean? It's not like I have the formula, you know, it's all I can say is I just, I, there's this thing that I've heard over and over again, right. And it's imperfect action is better than no action. Yes. Wait, I want you to say that again, louder for the people in the back. Yeah. Imperfect action is better than no action. (laughs) Yes. 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 And and so that's, that's the thing is, is, you know, we have, right. We have people who have all the, who have these ideas and they talk about what they're going to do and, 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 and all these things. And there's this, there's this disconnect between them, that, that idea and then that activity level. You know, and that's something that I had to really learn the, the hard way was that when it when it came down to it, I had all these ideas and projections and I could I could create these spreadsheets and, and all this stuff. When it came down to it, I had to be super honest with myself about my activity level. And so no matter what you're going to do, especially in the beginning, when you don't know everything. Well, I say in the beginning, I'll probably never know everything, but <laughs> but when you don't know a lot, efforts, just just effort and just getting into action in some way and an attitude will go a long, 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 long way. Because if you have a good attitude in the business world, at least people can overlook and forgive your lack of knowledge. But if you have a lack of knowledge in some areas and a shitty attitude, they know you're not going to get very far. You know what I mean? And that's, that's, that's what I've done is and I, I think, I think the best, the best, the, the best thing I've done is, is, is giving up the, now certainly there'll be people who are listening to this who are the visionaries. And I definitely do consider myself at least in part a visionary because I do have a lot of big like visions and goals and ideas now, and some that are just now being born because I needed to learn something first before I can have the vision, right? It's funny how that works. But <laughs> but I started to just try to get alongside of people who are already further along in this journey and who've got much more business experience. And rather than just going off and trying to like start my own business, I've tried to come alongside and partner with people 
And because I've gotten to a point, develop a skill set. That's why I'm, I'm going to create a whole talk now, right now on business development as a skill set. And I'm serious because I, I love talking about this because if you can do that, if you can have that or whatever your skill set is, maybe it's not business development. Maybe it's not. But figure out what it is that you do better than anything that you do without even trying. And getting better at that. Okay. And when you can bring a skill set like that to the table, then you can start to have conversations about equity instead of just a salary, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's, that's when I got to that point where I, where I'm, and I'm kind of just now coming into that point where I'm now able to come and say, Hey, look, I have a skill set that's valuable enough that if you want me to help you grow this company, I, I need, we need to have a conversation about potential uh, equity, you know? Love it. And then doing that, right. Doing that with the right people, I think will then give give you the skill sets to to then go do your own thing. But I'm just that that's just been my particular path, though. I've definitely seen plenty of people who went out, started their their business on their own without much experience and and blew it up, killed it, you know. So it can be done if you have a clear enough vision and a clear enough purpose and a clear enough why. And a good enough team of people, the right people, there is not a replacement for, for the right people. Um, I feel sorry for people who try to, who think they have to do it all on their own. <laughs> but there's a great book called Who Not How. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, it's an amazing, it's amazing. Con- it's, it's such a simple but amazing concept. And I think if uh, the end result is the, prime, is the, the biggest priority, you have to ask yourself, right? Is the is the goal is the end result the biggest priority or is like the credibility the, 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 the or I'm sorry the the credit the biggest priority needing to feel like I did it all myself because for me keep the notoriety keep the fame send me the paycheck <laughs> and anybody that know my name I just want to reap the rewards at the end <laughs> you know what I mean mm-hmm. um, and so so yeah I don't know that's 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 kind of been my my trajectory. Um, on this journey, you know, and then then even having the felonies and that kind of stuff. That's a whole nother conversation there. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you for sharing that because um, I'm going to pinpoint on something that you said about the poor, the crappy attitude. And then the poor result, you get bad results, right? Well, the way that our brains work is that it's a, if it's a bad mindset, then it drives your having bad emotions and bad emotions is what fuels your actions and actions is what gets your results. So if you're not getting those results that you want, then you have to back it up to your mindset and your thought process. Because again, that's what drives your feelings and your feelings and emotions is what drive your actions. And I love that you said the imperfect action is better than no action and researching and um, doing all of these spreadsheets. That is an action. And then some point you have to take a new action. You can't do the same action over and over again, expecting different results. You have to continue to take new action. Right. That, 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 uh, that action usually uh, for most people that they don't want to take there is uh, evolving sales. <laughs> That's when you start to have to actually engage people. <laughs> and people don't want to do that. People don't want to make cold calls. People don't want to have to ask for business. That's the tough part right there. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Well, this has just been so, uh, such a lovely conversation, but before you go, I just, again, just a few more questions. One is where can people connect with you? Um, uh, social media, LinkedIn, websites, all the things. Yeah. So on Instagram, it's just fit.with.grant. Um, then our platform recovery club America, it's just recovery club America on Instagram. Uh, same thing on TikTok. on TikTok for me, it's Grant Hansen official. And then Grant Hansen on LinkedIn and Facebook as well. Also check us out again at recoveryclubamerica.com. And that's, uh, that's where you can find me at. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time and your wisdom. Because um, you dropped some um, just beautiful things on us today. I do. Uh, me too. And before you go, I always like to leave with this last question of what phrase, scripture, or mantra are you living by right now in this moment? Oh, man, you know, you're forcing me to be super uh, authentic right now because I can't come up with a prescriptive, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, so I'm going to I'm going to default um, 
to to something that my my good friend Ian uh, said to me one time, and it was a really difficult time in my life, and that I was going through some stuff. And he said, he said, your current circumstances are not a true accurate indicator of your full potential. Mm. And um, never forgotten that. Mm. And you are a perfect example of that. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for being transparent and vulnerable. It was beautiful. And thank you for listening to the Power of Investing in People podcast. If you took some notes, because I'm sure you did, because Grant dropped some definitely some knowledge nuggets, please go over to Apple Podcasts and give us an honest review and pay it forward by sharing it with a friend because I'm sure you might know someone who might be down on their luck and uh, might need a kick in the pants about um, some addiction recovery that could use some help. So um, let us know what you think of this episode. And until next time, let's get fired up. This podcast is a proud partner of the Heroes Media Group, Lima Charlie Network, and Global Sisterhood Podcast Network. Sponsored by Sparks of Fire International, where we get you fired up about your life and business, and Quest Education. What if you could use the money inside your retirement account, penalty and tax-free, and use that money to start your own dream business? Our friend Daniel Blue from Season 5, Episode 5 over at Quest Education is so kind to give you, our listeners, their How to Grow Your Money Tax-Free online course completely complimentary just for listening to today's show. We invite you to find out more about their generous opportunity at the link in the show notes. So just imagine the business you could start with your freed up money.